Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 383. And tonight, we're recapping Loki Season 2, Episode 4, Oh my God, favorite episode this season. Oh, wow. I wasn't expecting any of that. Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, Giant spoiler warnings for this whole episode because there were so many cool moments and we really can't talk around the edges of them. No, we can't. And okay, I do want to start with some of the things that I was less happy about. I was looking Mm. up reviews about the current Loki season and I did like this one review. It was talking about episode four and about how incredibly gutsy it is of the show to break the rules for storytelling Mm. like this one did. But it said here, sure, its second season has gotten a bit of flack for its lack of narrative focus or truly bonkers pacing. And like, I I feel like that's really accurate. It really, really is. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and follow that up. Speaking of pacing, there are two scenes in this episode that I really didn't care for it. And they weren't terrible. It's when Sylvie is yelling at Mobius, and then when Loki and Sylvie have a talk in the pie room, and I'm just watching it going, well, I don't, I just don't feel like this entire scene was necessary either time. It just seemed very, very long. That is, and I've seen that in a few scenes with Mobius, unfortunately, and it just feels like, I don't know what you guys are doing wrong, but somehow this feels kind of unfocused. Like maybe they asked the actors to make up the scene as they were going along or something. I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's not bad. It's just a little long. Now, the other thing was the bit with the hot chocolate at the end. Thank you. Yes, that exactly when he gives it to the the soldier guy and everything. And I'm, I'm literally watching this going... What's happening? Even I've watched the episode twice now, and I still don't understand what the hell was going on. I don't either. I wrote a note here that said, I'll say it, this focus on the hot chocolate feels off-putting and weird. It's just, it was just bizarre. And when he snaps his finger, I mean, like, did the soldier guy never try the hot chocolate in the TVA? I don't know. And I thought for a second that maybe he was doing that to distract him, and that when he snapped his finger, that was the cue for, um... For Hunter, what is it, Hunter 5, X5? X5. X5, for for him to prune the poor Minuteman, but then he seemed shocked when the Minuteman got pruned, so I have no idea. No. However, we have to say, there have been times early on in the season when we didn't understand what was happening either, and the pacing seemed odd and weird, and then this episode did a thing that I love, but we're just going to get around to that, so put a pin in that, and we'll come back to it later. Okay, we start the episode, and the first thing I noticed was, we've got this like effect going on with lights in a tunnel and everything, and I literally went, that looks like the Doctor Who time tunnel. <laughs> it does! It really does, but when you get all the characters into the uh, time loom room, um, Ouroboros gets to fangirl all over the fact that Victor Timely was who he based his work on, whereas Victor Timely is so thrilled because he based all of his work on Ouroboros's um, TVA time manual. So again, it's that weird paradox thing where you don't know where the ideas started because they're both building off each other's ideas. Yes, and I love how Ouroboros is like, 
wow, it's like a snake eating its own tail. I'm like, ah, ah. <laughs> very meta. I also liked a Victor Timely when um, Mobius or Loki introduced uh, Ouroboros and he made that really surprised little wheeze noise. So that was just a cute touch. I do like all the bits of business sometimes that goes on in the scenes. Like I just rewatched episode two and it was the whole scene where they were setting up that machine that they were going to use to interrogate X5, which comes into play in this episode. But, you know, Loki tells Mobius that they don't have the controller, so Mobius is walking out to get it, and you see Tom Hiddleston in the background just kind of doing this thing where he's, like, pointing at each one of the things, like, counting off what's ready and then waving his hand around a little bit, and I just thought, I like that. I think that's great. Just Maybe it's because I'm always paying attention to Hiddleston, but I just thought that was fun. Yes. Now, there was a moment earlier on in the episode where we go back to Ravona and Miss Minutes, who are in He Who Remains, I keep on wanting to say He Who Should Not Be Named, wrong genre, (laughs) He Who Remains were in his fortress at the end of time with his moldering body. And Miss Minutes had said at the end of last episode, oh, there's a secret and you're not going to like it. So she shows Ravona in this little device, this scene, and it's he who remains and Ravona, but she's kind of in a similar costume to him. And he's saying about how he is looking forward to ruling with her and they are together. And she's obviously been instrumental in winning this war that he had at the end of time. And he sends her off to the TVA because that's what's waiting for them, all their plans. And then he gives Miss Minutes the order to erase everybody's memories. Including Ravona's. So Ravona is, of course, pissed off. And Miss Minutes tells her, well, we don't need him. Maybe we never did. So back over at the TVA, we've got the woman in the wheelchair, who, by the way, is the same actress who was over in Good Omens, which I think is fine. I thought she looked familiar. Yeah, she delivers her lines really beautifully, I think. Yeah, she really does. She's got a great accent. And she's convincing Hunter B-15 to actually go and talk to Dox. Dax. her name, right? Dax. 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 Dox. Yeah. The general who basically betrayed everybody and was pruning all the branches. She's convincing... B-15 to go and talk to her because she's thinking, you know, this woman really wants to protect the TVA, no matter what else she's done, kind of a forgive and forget sort of thing. So she sends Hunter B-15 off to go talk to her. And meanwhile, in the time loom, they're trying to figure out what they can do to fix the problem. And what it's going to take is expanding the time loom so it could actually fit all these extra branches. And Ouroboros has put together an entire little diorama with miniatures to show everybody what to do. And he's complaining about the fact that I only had a chance to put one coat of paint on it. And I'm just like, I want these miniatures. I adore all this miniature work here. It all looks great. Now, they go through the whole thing where they realize, you know, they're going to have to send somebody out there. The only problem is there's part of this device that Ouroboros has made that's not working. And Victor Timely knows exactly what it is because he was having the same problem with his loom. And that's why he built and he brings out that little device that he got, this prototype. And that's going to make Obi's device actually work. So they have to splice those together. Yes. So that's where Mobius and Loki and Sylvie leave the room. And Mobius is like, we're going to go get some pie and Sylvie just rips a strip off of him for a really ridiculous amount of time. She's mad at him that he's going to go eat pie. She's mad at him that he's never bothered to go and see what his timeline was like back on the actual like real timelines and everything. It just goes on for a while. Yeah, and I hate that because I don't want to look at a character that I like and say, hurry it up and get off screen, please. Yes. Also, it is kind of... (sighs) 
maybe a little bit of the return to the trope where the woman is the person who says, don't do the fun thing. And I'm like, no, eh, do yes. we need to do that? I don't know. So B-15 is actually having a little bit of luck talking with the general and her uh, Minutemen. They're all locked up together in that same room that they kept X-5 in. And that's, that's oh my, I'm sorry, just everything that I know about this episode. Oh, oh God, oh God. Yeah, so she leaves to let them think about it for a while. And then we also have the scene where we're in the pie room and Sylvia is talking to Loki. And it's a conversation kind of about weakness and mercy and hope and free will and it goes on too long unfortunately it feels like a netflix bloat almost yeah it was it was weird it's definitely a weird kind of choice that they made but so we go back to the room with x5 and all the minutemen and ravona shows up now she had been at the end of time but i guess she had a temp pad so she wasn't trapped at the end of time because she shows up through one of those time doors so i'm like oh okay i guess she wasn't trapped yeah so she wants the general and all the Minutemen to work with her because in her mind, she's the person who needs to be in control because she's been gone for like two days and the TVA is about to die. Now, yeah. the general pretty much turns her down flat. And I'm not entirely sure they really, you know, like solidified her reasons why she would instantly distrust Ravona when she's willing to trust B-15, maybe. I mean, maybe she's always disliked Ravona or never really trusted her, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I I appreciate the fact that the general couldn't trust her. I just wish that they'd set that up a little bit better. Yes. Now, earlier on, you'd had Hunter X5 who was talking with her, and he was trying to convince everybody to, you know, maybe join together. Maybe they could get their way out of this. And she tells him to shut up because she's very much aware of the fact that he sold them out and that he really just wants to get back to his nice little life on the timeline. So here, when Ravona is trying to convince everybody to join up, you can see that Hunter X5, especially since Ravona says, if you help me, I will give you all your lives back on the timeline. And he doesn't flat out say, okay, yes, I will. But you know that, yeah, he's he's buying it and he will go with Ravona. Yeah. But no one else will. Yeah. And... When Ravona establishes that he's the only one that's actually going to side with her, she turns on that machine. And the fact that it's like got a, an engine, a diesel engine or something, so oh, it starts yeah. revving up, and you instantly know bad things are going to happen. And it brings up that creepy force shield around the general and all the Minutemen. And I mean, the general had looked at X5, and she's like, was the life really that good? And he can't even look at her. And then Ravona starts shrinking the field. And you don't see what happens. You just hear people screaming. And it's so, I've watched the episode twice, and it's just, the screaming itself is really, really awful. But they cut away, and you just see X5's face as he's just flinching and gritting his teeth and listening to these horrible, horrible sounds. And then there's silence. And you hear dripping. God. Uh, now, I, I, I got to ask something, because B-15 comes in the room later, and you see her face. And the actress, let me tell you, she sells it. She sells oh how horrified she is when she sees that. Do you kind of wish we had seen something a little bit? I'm, I'm so torn, because, you know, I, I can do some gore, but some gore I just can't really take. And 
I almost think that everything in my mind is so much worse than they would ever be able to show in a Marvel TV show. Probably. I still, part of me still was just like, yes, and? Are we going to get to see it? I mean, because it would have to be, God, I'm not even sure how they would do that to make it so obvious and horrifying to to be 15 as she's looking in to know it. I mean, she goes out and she tells everybody, you know, the general, all the Minutemen are dead. So oh, she, she can tell what happened. But Oh, uh, man. I think the only way they could have done that is if maybe once it's finished, because it basically, I mean, it makes a very small cube, obviously. Maybe once they turn it off, all the constituent parts come tumbling out again. So you would have to see like a room of like, I don't know. Man, you, seriously, the sounds were awful. Were really bad. <laughs> and a oh really nice touch, I thought. Now, I know the character is really irritating. On purpose, I'm sure. Miss Minutes, all of this is going on. Ravona is just standing there, stony face. She's obviously not happy, but she's refusing to look away. And X5 is just flinching and cringing away as hard as he possibly can. And you look at Miss Minutes, and she's just enthralled. I mean, she's oh. smiling, but you see her face and her eyes move a little bit as she's watching various things happening in front of her. I mean, they really did a fantastic job and made me not like the character even more. Oh, it man. And so this is this is the start of the moment when you realize that we actually don't, I don't want to hear about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is the first true Marvel horror movie slash TV show. I mean, this gets really creepy and the atmosphere is just wonderful and uh, it, it it was horrifying, but I'm so glad that they did it. It really gave us like some stakes, it, some real stakes. And I mean, Ravona. Okay, well, we'll probably have to address this later. But they I really established her as a villain here, like a yeah. horrible, horrible person. Because you could you could see her like trying to ends justify the means for a lot of things, but this just goes over the edge. Oh, way over the edge. Right after that is when we have the moment where Dr. Timely, they're working on the device and Mobius has got this cup of cocoa and Timely is just so weirdly distracted by the cocoa and they send the Minutemen out to go to the machine to get it. And then there's this whole scene where Timely offers it to him, whatever. Basically, Hunter X5 is behind the Minutemen, uh, prunes him, so I guess sending him to the edge of time, and takes him back to where Ravona and Miss Minutes are. And they're threatening him and basically, you know, saying, you need to tell us where your device is. And he says, if I don't have an answer you like, what will you do? And she says, well, then Hunter X5 will find an incredibly thorough and extremely painful way to kill you. And X5 just leans over and goes, it's a very small box. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm glad I rewatched episode two to see the effect of that box shrinking when uh, Loki is uh, interrogating him, which, oh, Tom Hiddleston was great in that scene, too. Mm Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So everyone's like freaking out and they can't find Victor and they find like the the hot chocolate spilled on the ground and a pruning stick left behind and they think maybe he's been pruned. But Loki figures out that it's got to be Ravona and that she needs him alive. So he's got to be around somewhere and he picks up the stick and he starts running around to find it. And he looks out and you know, you're hearing all these alarms going off and he looks out a window and I'm like, oh my God, the series has lapped itself. Yep. We are now back to the episode one. Yep, yep, yep. He and Sylvie, it's so funny. He and Sylvie get separated. She's in an elevator. I didn't get it. Uh, they're running around, running around. And then you see 
the Loki from whichever episode, episode one, and he's got the little device in his hand. And I'm like, oh, I see where we are. And I still didn't get it. It wasn't until you see the Loki from episode one, he gets to the elevator doors, and I still didn't get it. And then you see current Loki with the pruning stick in his hand come running around the corner. And I literally said out loud, oh, no way. (laughs) So we were wondering who the heck had pruned Loki at just the right time to keep him from being lost in time and space. Well, I'll tell you, it was Loki. There's always people who like to say, oh, I figured out what they were doing. And I figured that out like at the beginning of the episode or whatever. Well, I didn't figure it out. So I had that delightful moment of when the penny dropped. So I just, (laughs) that was just wonderful. But and I loved the music right before he pruned the second Loki. There was some really great music going on. And then the phone is ringing after he prunes him. And him and Sylvie are looking down at the phone and he picks it up. And it's OB going, oh, finally, where have you guys been? I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that him, him being terrified of the sound of that phone must have been a bit of a red herring. But yeah. So Loki tells him something's happening and Miss Minutes is kind of interfering and you see Ouroboros say, well, I guess I could take her offline. And everybody's going, well, why don't you? And he says, well, we could absolutely lose everything. Well, like what? Like the thing that prevents people from doing magic in the TVA. <laughs> and then, of course, Loki and Sylvie just pause, look at each other, shout down on the phone, close it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that made me wonder, do you suppose, so if magic can work inside the TVA, that means that Loki and Sylvie can go to town. Do you think that means the Infinity Stones will start working? Oh, boy. Man. But there's so many of them just scattered. People are using them as paperweights everywhere, so that might Mm. cause more problems. Uh, This this show is definitely determined that it's perfectly fine with having a really deep callback, so Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. they're going to do that. Mm. So, so... You know, Ob decides to go ahead and shut things down, and you see Miss Minutes and Ravona, and they're still trying to get Victor Timely to tell him where his device is. And Miss Minutes starts glitching, and then she realizes that somebody is shutting her down, and she glitches more and more. And you were just, okay. We had a little bit before this. Um, we started recording where there was something going wrong with my connection or my audio or something like that, but apparently the audio was glitching pretty bad and repeating. Oh my goodness! And I told you. I was like, oh, your voice was doing that thing where it's repeating certain words exactly like what Miss Minutes was doing. I was going, too soon! (laughs) So yeah, she says that someone's trying to reboot the system. I'm losing my cognitive abilities. I only have minutes left. I have to tell you. And then she glitches, glitches, glitches. And her kind of animation is getting weirder and more pixelated and everything. And then it just kind of freezes in this weird grid with almost like X's over eyes. And she's completely frozen. And then suddenly part of her comes back to life where it's like half of her face is still dead, but the other half is alive and she glares forward. You'll never be him. Oh, that was great. That That was was really, really cool. That was so good. And then she blinks out and then all of a sudden you have this like the most basic digital clock, glowing clock face you could possibly imagine. And a voice saying, hi, I'm Miss Minutes and the current time is blip. And that was it. And she's gone. Oh, it's just so, so that plus the fact that Ravona sends X5 out to find out what's going on. And he's walking down this really dark corridor and he turns on his pruning stick. And that's the only light in the corridor. And he does this cool thing where he like flips it around. I mean, he is a soldier, so he looks kind of badass. But just with all the flickering lights and the sounds and everything, again, absolutely perfect horror movie vibe going on here. Especially when you can just barely see Loki in the shadows. Mm. And he says, are you ready for round two? And 
he starts charging forward and all of a sudden Sylvie comes up behind him and grabs his head and enchants him. And then he, she basically pilots him into the room where Ravona and Timely are. And he's just kind of looking around and he goes up to Ravona. I didn't think I'd see you so soon. And then he prunes Ravona. Prunes Ravona. Because before, Sylvie definitely sent her through a time door to the end of time. Mm -hmm. Technically, they established in the first season that the pruning stick will send them to the end of time. But I don't know that we have that same like weird storm that was eating up people in the first one. Uh, I mean, Elias, you, you mean? Yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you suppose things are like for people who have gotten pruned in the last couple episodes? I think we're probably going to find out because I have a hard time imagining that the Ravona character is going to be gone for the next two episodes. True, true, true. So... Uh, now that they've got Timely back, they run back to the room that's overlooking the time loom, and they're talking about how this device has got to be gotten down to the end of the gangway, but that the radiation energies are so much more intense than they were, and Loki finally says, okay, I'll do it, I'll put on the suit, and I'll, I'll go down there. And Timely says, no, it's got to be me, because if something goes wrong, I'm the only one who can fix it. Yeah, and I have a note here saying, hmm, Victor's doing the thing. I sense he has a plot. So then you have the whole lead up with him getting his suit on and getting the machine in his arm. He's just like gasping for breath and telling himself it's time to be brave. And the, you know, the alarms are going on and the door opens and he charges out and he disintegrates with a scream. Oh my God. It's spaghettification. It was amazing. I just, (laughs) the animation was so spot on and it was really, really, it was like, probably as gory as you can get without actually having gore. It was super disturbing. Because, of course, you could see his terrified face as it's happening to him oh. as he's screaming. And it doesn't even last all that long. But I've got my notes here. Holy crap! What the hell? Yeah, all I have in my notes is spaghettification! <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> so everyone is just staring in disbelief and realizing the the time radiation was too strong. Nobody can go out and implant that device. It's just... They're done. And as you watch, you can see the loom off in the distance that's been like, you know, the glowing cord leading into it and all these huge strands coming out the other end. And the strands look like they kind of take over the entire loom and then everything glows brighter and brighter. And everybody in the time loom uh, control center is just watching their death basically coming for them. Yep. You see a close up of Loki's face. He's staring forward in disbelief and it gets brighter and brighter. He flinches away and the whole screen goes black. And then we have the credits. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! And the spooky, creepy, weird music playing over the credits, just to let you know that this is something odd going on. Oh, this was so... It was great horror movie music. It's the same visuals that we get in the credits all the time, but this... I, I gotta look up and see who did the uh, composition on that one, because it was really, really brilliantly done. I just... This episode was so good! Despite, you know... <laughs> Obviously, some little quibbles here and there with the pacing, but for the most part, I mean, it's entirely possible that these weird pacing bits, maybe the bit with the hot chocolate is going to pay off sometime in the next two episodes. Who knows? Who knows? But yes, I'm I'm happy because I was because yes. I think in the first season, the third episode that was um, Lamentus yes. was the third episode. That was my favorite. Yes. This one now is my favorite just for Ooh. how much it surprised and horrified me. Just really. And so perfect because it's like October and we always like to watch horror movies in October. So we really do. <laughs> I really don't have anything else to add to it. I mean, I just went through all of my notes and just watching it through 
two times, and I think I liked it just as much the second time as the first time. It was really fun. They just, they knocked it out of the park with this one. Yeah, they did. We did want to mention real briefly, Catherine found something on YouTube that I am just freaking delighted about. So ages ago, I bought a online copy on Amazon of the animated short Pear Cider and Cigarettes that uh, the creator Robert Valley did. And I was thinking maybe about pulling it up again, but just on a whim, I typed in the movie in YouTube to take a look at the trailer again. Come to find out, Robert Valley, apparently he's had to deal with a whole bunch of licensing issues or whatever, but all of that is finally wrapped up so he could share the entire short film on YouTube, which I was delighted to see, so I definitely had to watch that. But another thing he had is he had the movie with his commentary, and because he pauses the movie in places so he can discuss various things, it's over an hour long, and it's exactly what I wanted in a commentary. Man, he even says right at the outset, he's got a book, I think it's called From Script to Screen, and it's talking about all the technical things that went into making the movie, like the fact that movie is an animated in Photoshop, which just blows my freaking mind every time. I'm just like, what the hell? But he said at the beginning of this commentary that he didn't want to talk about the technical aspects because all that's been covered in the book. What he wanted to talk about was the stories behind the stories in the film, and it's so neat. It is. I mean, all this extra detail. Um, <laughs> just talking about technos. Did he marry her, Jennifer? I think he did, actually. Or yeah, the, he did. The I girlfriend. Think his first wife. Yeah, uh, yeah. That impressed me. The first time I saw this movie when the Jennifer character appears and you see her feet walking forward and then throwing a door open and then walking right up to the camera and staring right in. And I swear to God, I've never seen an animation that just so powerfully conveyed like this soulless predator look in her eyes. Man. And he, he tells a story about exactly how crazy it was when, you know, they were married and he's got all these other stories like little backgrounds about, okay, when I said a party, here's what was actually happening. And, you know, yes. this is what happened when, you know, we went out to that field and he kind of went berserk and started breaking windows on the school and why it was mm-hmm. kind of a dumb thing for us to not take an alternate route home so the police could pick <laughs> us up right away. And he's just, he's, he's so open about everything. And he says right off the bat that he doesn't want to make anybody feel sorry for techno. He just wants to tell exactly how it was. Yeah. And the tone, a lot of people don't realize that the narrator for the film, that is the creator, the writer of the story, the artist behind the graphic novel, the animator of the film, the guy that you're hearing, that's Robert Valley. This is his story. And he's got this great voice. I love it. And so you're listening to him do this commentary. So you're getting to hear even more of this great voice. But he's very, he's conversational. You can tell that this commentary was not scripted. He's just sort of reacting to various things. They're in the plane at one point, And there's this long pause. He said, I don't know, it's inside of a plane. I don't know what you want me to say here. But he just sort of goes on. <laughs> but he even is talking about, he said, the reason why I went over there and why I stayed over there, why I would do this when we hadn't been that close. And it's just, there's this long pause. He's like, I don't know. I I don't, I don't know. I can't explain it. And he just, the kind of like, he's very perplexed at his own actions. People have asked him, why would he do all that he did for techno? And the answer is he doesn't even know why he did it in a lot of cases. And there's a lot of stuff that he regrets and a lot of things he wished he had done differently. I think he thinks in the end that, 
I don't know. I think techno just wasn't going to be long for this world anyway. And in some cases, he almost sounds like he's just like, I kind of think I just sort of wish I'd let him do his own thing. And if he was going to drink himself to death, just do it. You know, it's, it's sad and everything. But I don't think he feels like anything that he did ended up changing his trajectory. No, no. And I always thought that he because he brings it up, the fact that he accidentally overstayed his visa, so he had to send yeah. Techno on a plane for the first leg of the journey by himself while he went and bribed the uh, Chinese officials. And I could tell that he he takes responsibility for the fact that things probably went off the rails then, either because he was Techno was so stressed out by this extra wrinkle, like one more thing and trying to get back to Canada. And maybe he didn't remember to take his um, anti-rejection pills on the schedule yeah. like he was supposed to. But then he added this little bit in the towards the end that Techno's wife was going through that jacket that he was wearing and found a pack of cigarettes from an airport bar in Hong Kong where he had been waiting for Robert while uh, Robert was uh, catching up with him. And he has no idea if Techno walked into that bar and ordered a drink. He doesn't know. He thinks it might be likely. but, But I'm just like, you know, I know he probably feels responsible for things not being so perfect at the ending. But at the same time, months that he was in China, like literally oh, wow. having to stalk techno to pull bottles of alcohol out of his hand, out of his mouth yeah. for crying out loud, to try to get him to the point where he could get that liver transplant. And it's just, oh, it's such a fascinating story the whole way. Oh, it's just amazing. If you haven't seen it, the original movie, I remember, because Jade and I love to go see over at the Ken Cinemas, they would show all the Oscar nominated animated shorts all in a row. That's where I saw World of Tomorrow, which is just like the best experience to see that movie. (laughs) And then they're showing the year that this came out, they'll show like a screen and they'll show the title and maybe some awards that it's been nominated for. And then there'll be a little note at the bottom that says the length of time that this short takes. And one said five minutes, one said 10, you know that. This one comes up and the time comes up and it's 34 minutes and the whole audience is like whoa and I remember thinking I was like do I really want to watch 34 minutes oh god I would have loved for it to be longer it's wonderful it goes by very very quickly and then and then you get even more with the commentary which is great yes and if you guys are like if if you haven't run across this before and you're curious about the style this is the guy that did Zima Blue on Love Death and Robots and his style I think is polarizing I think a lot of people don't really care for it but I'm just mesmerized by it I mean what he can capture in just like a gesture or like a you know eye moving oh it's, it's amazing i was thinking that same thing how stylized it is that people's bodies are not always shaped the way like a human body necessarily is and yet it is it's just exaggerated but then he'll do things with motion that if you stop and parse out what he's doing with the animation he gets this just dynamic motion with very, very few gestures. It's really, really very, it's really super impressive. I just love this film. I hope he does more short films for uh, Love, Death, and Robots. I didn't think that voice acting in the one uh, story that he did, Ice, was as good Mm -hmm. as Zima Blue, and maybe the story wasn't as great, but visually, it was still amazing. And I, I, for some reason, I really loved the accents and the the, the diction of those native teenagers that they were talking to, like the the one leader character character finds out that his older brother wants to come with him to see the ice whales and she just kinds of strides up to him so 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 (laughs) i I don't know why i like that i just thought that was great that's so fun oh my goodness 
But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out PixLadyGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Not much of the photo galleries yet. I Hey, have you picked up that issue, The Sacrificers from Image Comics? Have you picked up any? I have not. No, I only just today was, a, uh, sorry, just this last weekend was able to get down to the comic book store and pick up the most recent saga. Ah, uh, have you read it yet? I have. Oh my. Oh boy. Oh boy. No, The Sacrificers is really interesting. And I think I haven't picked up the third issue. And as time of this recording, the fourth issue is coming out. So I might do a review of all four issues so far. I like the story, and I really like the art, and the art is very dissimilar to anything I've seen recently, so I think you'd like it. I think you'd enjoy okay, it. I just, I also picked up the last issue of the um, Terry Moore Parker Girls, oh, yeah. and I'm going to have to look at all these different titles that he releases and does 10 issues and then stops. They're, they're not titles, they're seasons, because the story goes oh. onward, which is why it always feels so damn abrupt when it ends. But oh. I, I think he has an omnibus issue out for the entire uh, 10 issues. So I may want to post a review of that at some point, just mm-hmm. because, I mean, I still love it. I will still no. always buy anything that has his name on it. I don't care. Absolutely. Did you say that Motor Girl comes back at some point? Do you see Motor Girl? She, yeah, she does, actually, in um, the, the Five Years storyline, which was another one that ended very abruptly. And I still don't know if he's, like, continuing it, or was he just done with that? I don't know. But yeah, it, she and um, Motor Girl and Mike are both back in that storyline. I just reread the original Motor Girl recently, and oh, I love it so much. <laughs> anyway, all that and more, pixladygeek.com. So next week, we will have a Nightville episode. We will. And we will have another Loki episode. Whew, only two more left. But you were right. It is six episodes this season, just like the previous. So, whew, Looking forward to that. So anyway, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you all later. Oh.